Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Boom. Sorry we weren't here last week. We had a bit of a technical drama. Because we were in too deep and I'm trying to keep up. We had apparently gone back in time and were some no, 41. No, it's episode 41, isn't it? Yeah, I got it, I got oh, it. Okay. To start this episode, we are going to be thanking our gorgeous oh, Patreon yeah. subscribers. Get yourself ready, please. Uh, you ready? We would like to thank... Sam Lovell. Uh, Jess C. Melanie Pringle. Erica Guy. Danielle Reed. Claire and Cora May Baird. Kelly Kretschmer. Adela Pina. Oh. <laughs> Pavo Katilakoski. I think that was oh, yeah, all right, actually. I think that was okay. Uh, Sarah Willington. Ben Keery. Melissa Schumacher. Cass Schumacher. Hall. Kate Davis. Molly Horan. Brittany Trainer, Kelly McGee. Kylie Holby. Zanden Hogrelius. Rui Conaway. And Alicia Fetter. Boom. Thank you so much. Thank for... you, thank you, thank you. And if your name was not called out, it will be next week. We just have a bit of a surplus of Patreon names to call out at the moment because we missed last week. Which is a lovely problem to have. I know, what a great problem to have. So are you ready for this week's film review? Oh yes, I am. <laughs> they do say in the world that the the greatest trauma the human body can go through is pregnancy. And um, I'd actually like to argue that because I think the greatest trauma a human can go through is watching this fucking film. <laughs> so our film review this week is American Poltergeist, which was released in 2015. It has an IMDb rating of 2.2 out of 10. Strong, strong movie. And a Rotten Tomatoes score of 4%. 4%. Would you like a synopsis? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Horrific visions torment Taryn when she, her brother and college pals move into an infamous old house then her bloody hallucinations become all too real. What were your thoughts on this film? Uh, this was a 50p movie club movie. This was the worst fucking film I've ever seen. <laughs> That's it's, not even an exaggeration. It's not um, in my case because I've seen a couple for 50p movie club. But the point of 50p movie club is to watch horrific films. Right? I thought, I thought when we started this podcast that people actually liked us. Do you know what I mean? And that people wanted to have genuine sort of film review sitches with us and wanted to recommend really good films to us. And I thought people liked us. Like Charlie, Charlie Rose Evans, who recommended this film. Like, I thought you liked us. I thought you actually enjoyed listening to us. Turns out, actually, you fucking hated us this whole time and wanted to sabotage our well-being by making us watch this film. I have an hour and a half of my life that I am never going to get back. To be fair to her, she did actually say it was terrible. She just wanted to share the pain with someone. And I said, fine, it can be our movie then. So it was my fault, not hers. Did she say how terrible? She did say it was the most painful thing she'd ever watched or something along those lines. But you can say that about lots of, like, open house was terrible. This was another fucking leak. Anyway, right, sorry, I'm going to, if I don't, just cut me off, please. What did you think of this film? Um, I thought it was it was bad. It was really bad, and uh, but it was that kind of good, amusing, funny bad where it was so bad you were just like, "What is going on here?" And it was, you know, it set it set itself up so wonderfully within the first five minutes of this film, where they uh, the five college students rock up to the house that they're renting, and uh, the the main one of the main characters is having a conversation with another character, and the other four are looking at the front door of the house for about two minutes 
patting for the, the entire walls. conversation like patting like they've never seen a front door before <laughs> like they're like how do we get into this portal of mystery it's a fucking front door why are you standing there for five oh god I can't even talk about this film I've forgotten how much I hated it you know how good this film is when you go on IMDB and the highest rated actress is an actress that was in it for about two seconds um, oh yeah the girl the girl who who everybody dies by the way but I know mean, that's not the point there's this girl in there who's like this rock chick who wants to party and she comes out with a cigarette in her mouth and sees sees the ghost and goes, shit. But the ghost, the other thing about this film is that the ghost, besides the horrifically awful mm. acting, the audio quality, which randomly got really loud every mm. so often, the fucking film that was actually filmed on a Nokia 3310. Like, I don't, I, I am so annoyed about this, but anyway... The ghost itself was the ghost of Lizzie Borden. Yeah, and Lizzie, this is a true story. And Lizzie Borden is an amazing American story about a girl who kills her family with an axe. And the she? premise of the story is that this house is Lizzie Borden's house. She is still there trying to claim more victims. Now, I would like to point out, <laughs> I'm fairly sure Lizzie Borden didn't kill her family in their fucking sauna Equally, I'm fairly sure that Lizzie Borden didn't live in a mansion that had a 15-foot deep swimming pool. I'm just going to put that out there because I don't think that happened in, in the legend. In suburbia as well. I'm in pretty suburbia. sure the, the, I've seen where the Axe House is and it's not, it doesn't it's have anything shack. like that. Yeah, and it's nowhere near as built up. And Lizzie Borden, the ghost, is a woman in a really dodgy red wig. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Anyway, it's so awful, so awful. The what? So my my thinking about this is, is that I'm actually going to take the director to court. Okay, that's that's my next step. See, I pay whatever amount of month it is for Netflix. I don't even know, whatever it is, and I pay that little bit extra so that our friend Id can leech off our Netflix. That's fine. When I pay for something like Netflix, I don't expect to see shite like that. I mean that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm going to take... I think his name is Mike Radowski. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna take him to court. But we haven't watched the sequel yet, so... Uh, no, I'm going to take him to court for, for theft of my time. And... Um, and false claims. I think you might have a case, to be fair. I actually think I do have a case. I'm disgusted by this whole thing. So, what would you give it out of five? Minus five. What would you give it out of five? I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one. What for? What was the one for? Because uh, I it, I found the bad moments entertaining, and it wasn't. It didn't outrage me like Open House did. There was a point in this film, Dan, where a police officer walked in and they were attacking and tying up a woman, and he didn't ask any questions. <laughs> he just stood and watched this whole thing happening. <laughs> it happens all the time. Ah, uh, if you gave high school students or secondary school students. A camera and said go and write and shoot a horror film probably be better than it if you've seen episode 50 or paranormal ascendancy i'd like you to watch this film and see where you sit don't bother watching it it'll waste your time <laughs> it's the worst thing i've ever seen anyway sorry i need to rein it in a bit so minus five for you one for me which gives it an average of minus four minus four <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't though, does it oh i don't know Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But anyway, we've got some good kick-ass stories this week. Uh, yeah, I've gone two weeks without being scared. Have you? Mm. Well, 
Here we are. Sorry, there's no going back now. So we've got three stories today and two of them are exceptionally long. So this will probably be a little bit longer than usual episode. Um, They are listener stories because as I've told you already, I'm still trying to wade my way through them. Otherwise, I'm never going to get through them all. So our first story today comes from Kea. Are you ready? Why are you looking at me like that? Are you ready? No. Well, let's do this. I don't know how to start my story because I've never told it to anyone. I guess I'll start it by saying that I'm not crazy. I had a full psychological evaluation just to be sure because this shit that happened to me is crazy. I do suffer from cataplexy and narcolepsy, which could account for some of this, but not what other people around me have seen. So here it goes. For the past four years, I've been haunted by a woman who has followed me and my daughter. So to give you a little background, I've always been attracted to this one part of Seattle called Pioneer Square, which is not the safest neighbourhood. It's the artist's district and the home of the haunted tour. Many drug addicts and homeless people frequent the area and my apartment was surrounded by shelters. I moved into a low-income building right in the heart of it. Bad idea, I know. The building is over 100 years old and was used as a military hospital in the 1940s and a hotel up until the 70s, but was shut down because of the rise in crime. So a little ghost here and there would be normal. When I toured the building, a man who no one else seemed to notice but me shadowed behind us the whole way. The leasing woman didn't seem to pay any attention to him, so I figured he was the manager and that she was training. I fell in love with the building and me and my dog moved in two days later. He's a miniature dachshund, which is important to remember later. My building was, was a low-income halfway, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically a storage facility for the previously incarcerated, homeless, rehabilitated, or if you're me, the starving artist type. The building had regular break-ins and people died of unnatural causes at least five times a month. Many were homeless who found their way in to use the community space bathrooms to get high and sometimes would OD. A month or so into living there I noticed things would be moved around and go missing and every time I took a shower I could hear people talking in my apartment. I dismissed it thinking it was just me forgetting where I placed things and the building having old vents that carried sound a little too well. Time went on and it all just became a routine, but other things were happening to me that I didn't notice until much later. When I was in my apartment, I felt almost suicidal. I began to oversleep to the point that I actually lost my job, and I felt afraid to leave my building. With no other options, I moved my then boyfriend of two months in with me and he helped me to get things back together. I got a job and I wasn't as sad as I once was. As time went on, me and my boyfriend started fighting. And around the same time, we started coming home to find all of our cabinets and drawers open with the contents torn out. My boyfriend was a hardcore skeptic and just assumed I or he did it looking for something and had forgotten. I was home alone and went to do some laundry. I'd forgotten something and returned to my apartment. I was in the bathroom about to walk out when something I couldn't see grabbed me from behind. I shut my eyes and tried to scream, but I couldn't find the air. I kept telling myself it was a bad dream and I would wake up in my bed and everything would be fine. I could hear something in my kitchen pulling things to the ground. Ten minutes later, the noise stopped and I felt the pressure release from around my body. I opened my eyes to find that I was still standing in my bathroom. Shaking, I looked around the corner to see no one in my kitchen. At that point, I felt like whatever grabbed me in the bathroom must have been trying to protect me from whatever or whoever was in my kitchen. Oh, I bet she was. So I out loud said thank you to the ghost in a half-joking kind of way, thinking that I was genuinely losing my mind. A week later, I had stayed home sick. An hour after my boyfriend left for work, a man opened my front door and began tearing apart my kitchen. I just stayed in bed, hoping that he wouldn't look in the bedroom. He finished putting everything apart and left. I immediately ran into my kitchen, locked my door and phoned the police. It turns out that a homeless man had been living in the fire escape next to my apartment and my boyfriend had sometimes been forgetting to lock the door. The homeless man was clearly mentally unwell and I'd been collecting small items from my apartment as well as a few baby pictures of me 
and had made a small shrine of them. I've no doubt that if you saw me either time, something would have happened to me. A month after this happened, me and my boyfriend were sitting on the couch talking when we both noticed that my dog was playing alone in the other room, which he never did. He was always in the same room as me no matter what. My boyfriend was sitting right next to the door way into the bedroom and I kept telling him to look inside and make sure he wasn't tearing anything up. He refused to look in but picked up a dog toy laying in front of him and threw it into the bedroom behind him. That five seconds later, the same toy comes whizzing by his head and hits the far wall in the living room kitchen. We both froze, and then my tiny ass dogs come prancing out of the bedroom, picks up his toy, and walks back into the bedroom. Uh... My boyfriend ran out of our apartment so fucking fast in nothing but his boxers and socks at 3am in one of the worst neighbourhoods and didn't come back for six hours. After much discussion, we finally decided that the ghost must be friendly because it kept me in the bathroom when my apartment was broken into and it played at my dog. Neither of us wanted to call anyone or try and get it to leave just in case it got mad. The fact it could throw things and physically touch me was terrifying. I didn't want to try and challenge it by trying to make it leave because it was there first. So we just accepted it into our lives. And then shit got crazy. Mm. I started to shower in my bathing suit and me and my boyfriend stopped having any sort of physical relationship because you couldn't help but feel like somebody was watching. One day we had come home from drinking and we were both in a mood but the second we stepped into the apartment I got really uncomfortable and decided that I was going to just go to bed. My very frustrated and drunk boyfriend put his middle finger in the air and yelled fuck this stupid ass ghost you hear that fuck you. Me not being into it at all just ignored him and went into the bathroom. He followed behind but went to lay on the bed. When I walked out of the bathroom he was face down on the bed so he didn't see me walk out. Shortly after I had left he flipped over and was talking in the bathroom telling me to come and lay down with him. At that point I was in the kitchen and called out to him to speak up because I was in the other room. It was totally silent for a minute and then he said why does it sound like you're in the kitchen? And I said, because I am in the kitchen. Again, he was totally quiet. And then he started yelling. Oh my God, it's in the bathroom. It's in the fucking bathroom. So I ran into the bathroom to see what he was talking about. And through the crack of the bathroom door, a woman about my age with the same color hair was looking at him through the crack in the door, brushing her fucking hair. I had always thought peeing yourself from fear was just in movies. But I learned that day that it actually happens. About 30 seconds go by and she leaned back out of view and vanishes. And when she did, my brush hit the ground. Ne- I actually have goosebumps. Yeah, me too. Needless to say, we threw my brush away. But I'm honestly waiting for that shit to turn up on my doorstep. So after that scary shit went down, my boyfriend became obsessed with figuring out the history of the building. I simply asked around and eventually found out someone who knew the people who used to live in 624. I felt so sick when I heard what happened that I got tunnel vision and felt too weak to stand. The girl who lived in my apartment, two people before me, was found dead in the bathroom. She'd hanged herself after suffering a late-term miscarriage. I thought knowing what had happened would have made moving out easier, but when my lease was up, I couldn't bring myself to look at any other places. I felt like this girl needed my help to cross over, or if anything, she needed my company. I told the ghost that she is welcome, and that I don't mind if she hangs around me, as long as she is respectful of my personal space. And that was pretty much all that needed to be said in the beginning. She didn't move or touch anything after I could hear her humming sometimes in the other room but that was about it almost a year goes by of just little things and I'm starting to think that she's moved on but then I start to notice strange things outside of my apartment a neighbour of mine had passed away and a week after his passing knocked on my door and asked my boyfriend if he could use his phone he said yes gave him his phone and watched as he dialed and made the call but no one picked up and he handed the phone back and walked away. 
Later that night, I came home and heard of the news of my neighbour passing from somebody on my floor. I got to the apartment to tell my boyfriend, who just shook his head and said that the guy was fine, he had just seen him. He told me that he had used his phone to call somebody and pulled his phone out to show me. But there was no call made. He swore up and down about how he watched him dial, heard the phone ring and heard nobody pick up. To put the whole thing to rest, we decided to go knock on his door. No one answered. So the next morning we went again to find the door wide open and a cleaning crew hauling all his things out. This drove my boyfriend mad to the point he stopped sleeping and would stay up all night and wander around the building taking pictures on his phone and recording audio. He hadn't been sleeping so he did start seeing and hearing things. Worried about what he might do I went with him on one of his little ghost hunts and he said we were going to the basement. I hated that idea because basements are already scary enough without him yelling what was that every five seconds. Yes. I started to feel like this was just a bad Ghost Adventures episode <laughs> and he was just hyping himself up on top of the fact that the building is so fucking old and often filled with homeless people who make their way in at night. Feeling annoyed and slightly unsafe, I went back to the elevators and hit the button for the sixth floor. Maybe it was just me being tired, but I arrived on the sixth floor walk to 624 which is my apartment number and try the key my door wouldn't open and I started to get frustrated so I walked back to the elevator to get my boyfriend and while I was waiting somebody walked by me and began to wait too she asked if I was lost and I said no and I just explained that my key wasn't working the elevator was taking forever and she kept making small talk at some point she asked me about names for girls and utterly confused I asked why she would ask me that and she went on to tell me that I was pregnant and that I was going to have a girl. I was pretty annoyed at this point so I just told her to have a good one and turned around to walk back and try my key. When I got back to my door I looked up and, fa- and found that I was standing in front of 424. I quickly ran back to the elevator which hadn't yet come. I turned the corner and the woman was still standing there. Feeling bad for what I said and feeling rather silly for being on the wrong floor I apologised to her and made a joke about how I really was lost. She said absolutely nothing to me and when the elevator finally showed up we both got in. I hit the basement floor to get my boyfriend and she didn't hit any buttons. She had been standing behind me in the elevator and I never turned to look back at her. But when I reached the floor I walked out, turned to apologise once more to find that nobody was in the elevator. Oh no. I ran as fast as I could around the basement floor looking for my boyfriend. When I finally found him and told him what happened, he agreed to call it a night and go upstairs at me because I was really shaken up. A week later, I ended up having to go to the ER after another resident pushed me in the lobby. The shove wasn't what sent me in. After he pushed me, I suffered a blinding pain in my stomach and became physically ill. The doctors told me I had a close call of placenta abruption. Having no idea what the fuck that meant, I asked what they meant, thinking maybe they forgot to tell me something and was given the most shocking news of my entire life. I was pregnant. And I had absolutely no idea, and considering how small I was, I expected it was a mistake, or maybe I was just a few weeks. They did an ultrasound, and it turned out I was six months pregnant, and that they suspected I was going to have a girl. After the news, me and my boyfriend decided it would be best if we split up and went our separate ways, because he really didn't want to be a father. And since the bathroom thing... He wasn't, and still isn't, the same. I alerted the leasing office that I would be moving out, and called my mom to tell her the news, and to my relief she asked me to come live with her and my sister. I agreed and started to pack my things the next day. The things I packed would be taken out of the boxes at times and put around my apartment. I finally decided to sit down and tell the ghost that it was time for me to go and she should too. I finished packing my apartment in about three weeks, and the moving van came, and it was finally time to leave. Before I had to take my keys back, I went up to my apartment by myself just to take it in one last time. I stood in the kitchen just thinking about my time there, and I turned to wash my face in the sink. When I brought the water up to my face, in that brief moment of total vulnerability, I felt somebody reach around me and press their hands on my belly. I thought maybe it was the baby kicking, but it was definitely an external sensation. So I turned around to find nobody there. 
I wish my story stopped there, because honestly, writing it all out for the first time, I'm realising how crazy this all sounds. Fast forward two years and I'm still living with my mum. I have a daughter and she's almost two. From the day I brought her home, weird things have been happening at my mum's, mostly surrounding my daughter and my dog. While my baby napped, we would hear cooing and a woman's voice talking, but you could never make out the words that she said. When my daughter started to crawl, she always made her way to the kitchen with my dog and they would play around something that we can't see. I've since learned that Rebecca is the name of my ghost roommate and she's actually moved to my mother's with me and plays with my daughter and dog and regularly sits on the edge of my bed. My 14-year-old sister sees her regularly standing at the kitchen counter or in the laundry room and my daughter, now learning to speak, says hi and bye to thin air. On occasion, when I walk into the room hearing her talking to someone, she stops and asks, Where did mommy go? And then she'll make me look around the house for her other mother. But she doesn't find her till she's back on her own in another room. Rebecca has never been a negative presence, if that makes sense. Apart from the overwhelming feeling of dread I had in my apartment, I never felt like she was going to hurt me. I don't know if I'm making a huge mistake letting her hang out with my kid, like in case she ends up trying to take over my body or something. That's probably just a movie, but still something I consider. I've never been back to my apartment building, but I have paralysing nightmares where I'm stuck in the building and no one can see or hear me. So I run around frantically jumping out windows and running out of doors. And no matter what window or what door I leave from, I end up back inside the building. As for my ex-boyfriend, he's totally unstable and unpredictable. We don't speak often, but when we do, it's often a picture of his bathroom or closet with a caption saying, Do you see it? Nothing's ever there. But he has had almost the same exact dream as me, only the girl in the bathroom is chasing him down the hallways of the apartment building. Sorry this is so long. I cut as much of it out as I could. Keep up the podcast, and if you want more details, I'm happy to share them. Oh my word. Isn't that the maddest story so you've ever heard? So many all the way through that. My body was like... Blah, 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 yeah, I, I, you know the way I talked previously about that feeling of something being under the yeah. table? I wanted to like pull my feet up from under the table at points in that. But again, doesn't sound like a bad spirit. No, but he made a mistake of challenging her, didn't he? She kicked his butt. She totally did. Yeah. Just freaked him beyond the thing. Oh, yeah. It was interesting hearing about Pioneer Square being so rough because I don't remember it being it. I just remember it being like old town and picturesque. And... Well, it's the same as any city, yeah. isn't it? Like when people come to Canterbury, they go, oh my God, this place is so beautiful. Like it's so old, it's so historic. And then where we live is just shit. <laughs> So there's parts of every city, isn't it? And buildings yeah. in every city that are going to be dodgy. I loved that story. Oh, so did I. Um, I it, oh, the manipulation of the objects, though, as well. And just imagine, I, it was very like um, J-horror, wasn't it? Having the image of someone brushing their hair, <gasps> looking through the crack of the door. Oh, she... Well, the, I know, I know she protected her from the yeah. man who's coming in. Like, that's amazing, all of that stuff. But I, oh, I don't know how... I think I'd be the boyfriend... I think I'd be the one that would lose their fucking mind yeah. over the whole thing yeah. and not be able to cope with it. That'd be me. Yeah. She proper saved her though, didn't she? Like twice. Yeah, she did. Because that guy was clearly disturbed, wasn't he? And that would have ended, not ended well if she hadn't yeah. intervened. So at least she's using her like ability to interact with the living well. Yeah. And she does seem friendly, but it's still, it's still giving the creeps because it's just that... that unknown presence, isn't it? And I don't like stories when kids are talking to people they can't see or dogs are doing stuff with her other mummy though imagine the the toy being thrown back I would have run out of my pants as well but get me the heebie-jeebies as well oh my god you would die a death if that happened to you and then the dog prancing in picking it up and bringing it back to whoever threw it no oh I've got heat oh I've got the chills again I don't like having my feet under the table so are you ready for story number two I, uh, whew, I don't know if I can handle it after the last one. It's another long one as well. Okay. Whew, I don't know if I can handle it. I don't feel okay. I don't feel good. I don't feel so good. Okay, so story number two is Courtney's story. So I've been thinking about whether or not I should send in my own story, only because it's quite long and spans over several years. But I think you and your followers would enjoy it. 
And the more time passes and I live in different places, the more I realize that the things I experienced in my childhood house were not my imagination or fear of the dark, but something truly paranormal. We first moved into the house in 2003. It was a big house with upstairs and downstairs suites. We lived upstairs. Our bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchen, living and dining rooms were all upstairs. Downstairs there was the garage, bathrooms, laundry room, den, two bedrooms and a living room. And there were either sliding or open closed doors between all of the downstairs rooms. Now the first actually creepy thing to happen happened on our first Halloween in the house, which was also a Friday. At one point in the evening, every single electrical appliance in the house started to turn itself off and on and the house alarm was activated for no reason. No matter what we did, we just couldn't get the alarm to turn off and we ended up cutting the wires just to stop the noise. When we did that, the alarm stopped, as well as every other electrical appliance, our washer, our dryer, dishwasher, microwave, oven, everything. We brought a technician in and he couldn't find a reason for the alarm to have gone off in the first place and couldn't explain why we couldn't turn it off. I guess at the time we thought it was a freak coincidence and some kind of short circuiting throughout the house. Maybe it was. But I know that it was after this night when truly strange things started to happen and continue to happen throughout my childhood and into my late teens. From early on into the house, I remember being scared with my two younger siblings, though I can't quite remember why. I think my parents must have choked it up to small children being afraid of the dark. I remember them saying all of the time, our house isn't that old, it was built in the 80s, there's nothing to be afraid of. Though I remember regularly waking up in the night to my brother or sister climbing into my bed saying they were scared, or myself wanting to climb into my parents' bed because I was scared, even as an eight-year-old. I used to sleep at my bedroom door open, and the head of my bed was right beside the door. I also think it's important for you to know that my bedroom was the first door in the hallway from the stairs. I would wake up in the night on my side facing the wall, and I would literally feel an inexplicable terror. I felt like there was something icy cold standing beside my bed, like something was staring at me sleeping. It was never a parasomnia because I could move, but I could choose not to. I'm not sure why, but I would feel like I shouldn't move or show it that I was awake. With that said, sometimes I would force myself to turn and look out of curiosity. The presence was so strong that I was always preparing myself to see a face or something staring at me, but nothing was there. Now this is going to sound so strange but I swear to God that I felt this. I remember one night in particular I woke up in the night and felt like I could sense something coming up the stairs in the night. It was like a cloud of fear and anxiety was growing bigger and thicker and coming from the direction of the stairs down the hallway. The closer I sensed it come the more fear I would feel. I remember feeling too scared to move, like I needed to just be still as a statue. At one point, the fear stopped growing and it felt like something had just settled outside of my bedroom door. As terrified as I was, that's the last thing I remember before falling asleep. The energy was always around, even if it wasn't in the hallway or the bedrooms. I would often feel rushed up the stairs, like something was chasing me, or I would struggle to go to the bathroom in the night or get a glass of water for fear of running into something. Sometimes it was absolutely fine, and other times I would feel something lingering in the dining room beside the kitchen, or the end of the hallway would feel dark and heavy. I didn't tell anybody what I felt for the longest time because I thought people would think I was mad or making things up. One night I had a horrible dream. I dreamed that I was on my school playground, but everything was cold and it was getting dark, and there was this bully chasing me. But then the bully became a big, tall, strong man, and his name was John. In my dream, John picked me up and threw me across the field. I landed on my arm and I was in agony. My arm was broken. Looking up, I saw John coming towards me and I was terrified, but I couldn't move or scream. I woke up in a silent scream and my arm was actually aching. I was in so much pain, but I was confused. There was nothing I could have hit my arm on. I didn't have a bedside table and there was no marks on my body at all. It was inexplicable and the pain subsided shortly. Physical things started happening when I was in my early teens. 
It wasn't just me that noticed, but everyone in my house became aware and we started talking about it. Lights and light switches would turn themselves on and off in the garage. No one felt comfortable being in the garage, for that matter. We avoided as much as we could. We started to hear doors opening and closing, and the indoor sliding doors slide themselves open and shut when no one was there. We had a small dog who would start to growl at the staircase as though someone were coming up the stairs, but no one was even downstairs. She would growl and start to shiver, her tail going in between her legs, occasionally barking and running to the top of the stairs, and we couldn't console her. Then out of the blue, she would calm down and relax again. One particular night, I was sitting at the bottom of the staircase, playing with our large dog, Buddy. At this point in time, we were renting the bottom suite out to someone. Their entrance and exit was through the garage into our foyer entrance. On this night, the garage door was left open so I could see straight into the garage. It was dark and the lights were out. I heard the door from the apartment suite open and I looked up. My dog did too, expecting to see our tenant, Rick. Instead, I saw a tall, solid, black figure of a man wearing a hat walk from the basement suite door and pass in front of the open foyer door, walking into the rest of the garage. I remember freezing and caught my breath. Did I actually just see what I thought I saw? My goosebumps were raised as I sat there still staring at the door wondering or waiting for it to come back or to hear a noise in the garage as though a person may be Rick's friend something to confirm what I just saw but I heard nothing a few moments later the door opened again and Rick walked through I asked him if he'd been with anybody and he said he hadn't I told him I'd heard the door open and that I thought I saw someone walk into the garage and he just shook his head confused he'd been alone all day long He turned and looked around the garage. Nobody was there. And at that point, I knew for sure that something very strange was in our house. A few years later, we stopped renting out the downstairs and mum decided to make use of the bedrooms ourselves. I moved my bedroom downstairs. I would get the downstairs living room as my bedroom and the other rooms would be used for international students staying with us. This one year is when the spirit really started to interact with me. First, let me explain the layout of the bedroom. My bed was across from the door. It was a door with glass windows looking through into the front entrance. The stairs to go upstairs were to the right of my bedroom door and the front door entrance was to the left. The garage where I had seen the shadow man was the room directly across from my bedroom. I hung coats and bags on the back of my door to give me privacy from the entrance, but you could still see into the hall through the bottom of the door. Our small dog used to sleep in my bedroom at the foot of my bed. I would wake up in the night to her growling and then her starting to bark at the foot of my bed in the direction of my door, but nothing was ever there. I would turn on the lights or pick her up and cuddle her to calm her down, but she never stopped looking at the same spot. I would settle down, still alert and still watching. One night I woke in the middle of the night to her growling and I looked at the door and saw something dark and low to the ground move out of the way very quickly as though it was avoiding being seen oh get out I remember feeling like it had been watching me through the door on another occasion in this room I was up late studying for my exam the next day it was after 1am I was sitting to the side of my room across from the door into the laundry room the door to the front entrance was to my left we had no air conditioning in our house and on this night I was alone downstairs. Neither one of the doors in my room was properly shut. The door to the laundry opened itself about a foot and then after a few minutes moved itself shut again. I looked up and watched but saw nothing there. Skeptically, I went back to work. But then it happened a second time. It opened itself and then specifically shut itself again. It wasn't breezy or anything. It always came to a specific stop. The second door in my room never budged, so it couldn't have been a change in air pressure from that door. Then for five minutes or so it proceeded to open, close, open, close. I remember sitting there staring at it and feeling so scared. I just didn't know what to do. I think I just waited for it to stop. And then after it had stopped moving for a while, I stayed where I was, just kind of frozen in place until my nerves calmed. Then I packed up and went to bed. 
That was the first and only time that I know of that door ever doing anything like that. A few weeks after the door incident, I remember walking downstairs to my room, already feeling uneasy about needing to sleep in the room. As a 16-year-old, I had posters all over my bedroom walls. I remember distinctly being halfway down the stairs and hearing this very loud paper peeling noise. Ever so slowly, one of my posters was being peeled off the wall. It wasn't falling the way one does when the tape gives way and falls in loud parts. This was a very slow and consistent peel. I froze on the steps, listening until the entire poster had finished falling. Then I gathered my nerves and walked into the room and looked around. As usual, I saw no one. Slowly, I went back to my poster and stuck it on the wall with the exact same tape that had been used before, and it it had never fallen off the wall again. By this point, my childhood night terrors were reoccurring. I would wake in the night so afraid and chant a prayer to myself, God be with me, God protect me, until I fell asleep again. I started avoiding being in my bedroom whenever I could. I slept with the TV on or the downstairs light on. I put things in front of my glass door to block the sight lines into the room. Other people were starting to have experiences in the house too. Outside of us telling them about anything we experienced. Mum always wanted to keep it quiet. She didn't want anybody gossiping about our house. Around this time, we had this one exchange student staying with us. 11-year-old Oscar was staying in one of the spare bedrooms downstairs. We noticed that he was staying up very, very late to study. At first, we didn't think much of it, until I saw that his bedroom lights were on at 4 and 5 a.m. I thought this was weird and mentioned it to Mum. Oscar explained that he was more comfortable sleeping with the lights on. After a few weeks, we began to notice he was looking just exhausted. He had big bags under his eyes and looked completely sleep-deprived. His teacher started saying that he was falling asleep at school. Mum went to talk to him and Oscar explained that he was having the same repetitive nightmare every night. That a tall man was chasing him with a knife and trying to kill him. It left him so scared that he was losing sleep and he was becoming afraid to fall asleep. We promptly moved him upstairs into a different bedroom. Then there was the time my best friends came over for a sleepover. We grew up together, always having sleepovers at each other's houses. We were downstairs in my bedroom. I slept through the night just fine, but the next morning, my friend told me that she woke up in the night feeling terrified. She said she had never felt so afraid waking up before, but she felt the presence of a man watching us sleeping. She said she was too scared to move or to wake me, but she couldn't fall back to sleep at all the entire night. She said she would never sleep at our house again, and she hasn't. Another time we had some neighbour girls house-sitting for us. They said that they were watering the plants and all of a sudden felt an overwhelming feeling that they were not welcome there and immediately left. Not even out the front door. They felt rushed out the back of the house. From our backyard they looked upstairs and swore they could see the light quickly darken in the bedrooms, as though someone was walking down the hallway upstairs even though they were the only ones with the key to the house. Similarly, one of my friends was walking by and needed to use the bathroom. We weren't home, but she knew where we hid the key. She let herself in and was greeted by our dogs and our bird. She said she was at the top of the stairs when she suddenly felt the atmosphere darken. She said it was very weird and she instantly felt uncomfortable. The dogs scuttled away with their tails between their legs and the birds went silent, moving to the back of its cage. She described feeling that she wasn't welcome and left right away, without using the bathroom. By this point we were all concerned. Something was happening in our house that felt really out of control, but we didn't know what to do. The final point for my mum was when my dad's brother, who has some sort of psychic ability, I'm not sure I understand it, but anyways, had a vision of our house. He lives on Vancouver Island and we live on the mainland. He has not been to the mainland in 20 years and he's never even seen a photo of our house. Yet he told my dad that he had a vision of the front entrance and to the left of the entrance he described the darkness. This would have been the garage. To the right of the entrance he described the same darkness but with a white shiny covering over the door. He couldn't explain the covering but he said the white was a sign of goodness. That was my bedroom. Then he said to my dad there was something evil and unwelcome in the house and that we needed to ask it to leave. He said that it was angry that I couldn't stay there. My dad is adopted into a First Nations clan and knows how to do a traditional smudging. 
It was a very serious matter and all household members needed to be present. First we prayed and asked for some protection. Then we told the spirit that we needed it to leave and it was not welcome here. Then we started to smudge upstairs. We had to stay behind my dad the entire time during the smudging and we weren't to follow him inside any rooms. He moved from room to room smudging the spaces. When down in my room he spent a lot of time near my doors and closet. In the garage he got spooked. I couldn't see anything but he warned us all to stay back. Smudging he went up the far wall and into the closet. He moved back and forth across the garage before very quickly moving through the garage door to the den. Next to the den were two spare bedrooms. He warned us not to follow as he smudged the rooms, running quickly from Oscar's old room to the empty one. Then it was done. I can't say that the house felt light or anything, but he assured us that they were gone. He explained that there were two energies. One was residing in the garage. It was dark but left relatively easier. The other ran from him and was hiding throughout the basement suite, though mostly lived in Oscar's room. That one was more energetic, feisty, didn't want to leave easily but was chased outside through the spare bedroom. That night I came home late. I had a couple of drinks at a party, but I need you to know that I was in a very sober state of mind. At first I was lying in bed and I could tell something was off, but I couldn't think what. Then, looking at the foot of my bed, I swear up and down I saw a large dark figure standing there. I remember trying to refocus my eyes in the dark, unsure if what I was seeing was real or not, but I couldn't unsee it, it was definitely there. Then I realised there were several figures standing around it. It looked like a crowd. Had somebody spiked my drink? No, I had my own drink with me and I was drinking out of cans, plus my friends wouldn't do that. I was horrified. Then I was more horrified when I looked to my bedroom windows to the left and it looked like these ghostly dark shadows were jumping in through my windows and crowding in my room. My heart has never pounded more and I was too terrified to move. I started to chant my prayer and shut my eyes, begging the shadows to go away. Lying down, I opened my eyes again and I swear I saw swirls of ghostly, clear, black and white mists above my bed and it looked like the swirls were fighting. The black ones spun counterclockwise and the white ones spun clockwise but it was like they were fighting each other. I know this sounds absolutely insane and like somebody must have spiked my drink but I'm telling you I was not on drugs and this is what happened. Then the front door began to bang as if somebody was trying to get inside but the door was locked. I actually jumped out of bed, more terrified again than I've ever been in my life. The swirls instantly vanished and the door continued to bang and then someone was knocking. I hadn't come inside that long ago and I certainly hadn't locked the door behind me. I wasn't the only kid out that night and we always left the door unlocked for each other. I ran to the front door and opened it to find my brother standing outside confused. I didn't need to say anything to him. From the look on my face he could tell something was wrong. I stood there frozen in the door and he grabbed my wrist and led me upstairs to the kitchen. He turned on the light, told me to sit down and he was going to make some hot chocolate. He said, Courtney, you're white as though you've seen a ghost and you're shaking. What the hell has happened? I didn't even notice I was shaking, but I was trembling so much that my entire body was vibrating. I explained everything to him and in the morning we told mum and dad what had happened. Dad explained that it sounded like some sort of retaliation, but that white was good and black was evil. He said it made sense that white swirls were clockwise and the black swirls were counterclockwise as those were the patterns of order and disorder. He re-smudged my bedroom for me and offered to re-smudge the downstairs again if the problems continued. But after that event, we did not have a single occurrence in the house. My parents still live there. My brothers and I now sleep in the downstairs spare rooms when we visit and neither of us have been afraid. I still have memories that make me uneasy but nothing compared to the fear I felt that night in my childhood. I know the story of the swirls and the shadows jumping into my room sounds crazy. It's not in the norm of paranormal stories and I've never heard anyone seeing swirls of shades before. Ever. But I know what I saw. Every time I think I might have hallucinated or made it up, I remember how quickly they disappeared and also how real and tall the shadows were in my room. I've never seen anything like it before or since and I've never taken a drug in my life. I'm sure there will be sceptics to my story, but my fear and experiences were 100% real growing up. Thank you, Emma and Dan, for giving me a platform to share my story. 
Mm, that one's not so friendly. Not so. Why is it always a man in a hat? Oh. Yeah. Didn't like that one at all. He was a bit of a brute. He needs to be the next um, guest on our podcast. Yeah, I wonder what happened to her when she was asleep. It made her hurt her arm when she was a little girl. I, I don't... You know the way sometimes in your dreams, like things happen in your dream to reflect like lying funny and you get like a pain in your arm yeah. or whatever. So I wonder if that was it more so than... I'm not saying she didn't have the dream, but I wonder did the broken arm bit of the dream just come from her lying funny. Yeah, that would offer that, yeah. That's possible actually. Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah, he doesn't. I've sound... never heard anything like that before. Like the somebody with the swirls. No, it's really... Like an actual battle yeah. of good and evil going on yeah. over you. That's mental. But her room was the good room, wasn't it? That's mm. what her uncle said. It was the one with the light. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that, that guy sounds like a flipping nightmare, literally. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine picking her up and throwing her as well. It kind of. With a knife. And... In my head, that was, you know, the bit in Matilda when Trunchbull swings her around by yeah. her pigtails. That was what I was thinking yeah. about. No, oh, I didn't like that. But handy that dad was no knew how to do a smudging. Sounds like they solved it as well at the end. Yeah, it does sound like it solved it. It's just mad. It's a mad story. Yeah. But it's over such a sustained period of time. Yeah, like a really long period. And loads of different people experienced it as well. And that poor little Oscar. Oh, poor little Oscar staying up all night. Oh, Oscar. Mm. Oh, we love you, Oscar. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. We hope your exchange trip worked out well in the end. Yeah, what talk about a shitty exchange yeah. trip when he's like, great, I'm having these crazy nightmares and I can't ever sleep again. When I went on the exchange to Canada, he, uh, I was really scared where I stayed. Why? Because they had a, an Alsatian called Chaos who was like, fitted his name and it was like proper vicious. Oh God, really? Yeah. We never, never went for me, but he was a really aggressive dog. But you're good with dogs, so yeah. that's surprises me. And I was just like, oh, so I used to like stay in the bedroom for the longest possible period until I absolutely had to get up. And then I'd like run to the bathroom, run downstairs. Oh room. really? Were you that afraid yeah. of him? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think he ever would have gone for me. He just had a big mouth. Oh, I just the swirls is fascinating. Swirls yeah, is it fascinating. is fascinating. And there's shadows coming in the window. Yeah. It's almost like... They got rid of whatever the evil entity was, and then the evil entity was like, "Right, I'm fucking, I'm having you." Yeah, do you know that it's all? It, it was like a retaliation. Like I'm getting all my crew on you. Very bizarre. It's like Death Eaters, and everything. kind like Death Eaters, mm. yeah, where they all just operate out of nowhere. Very strange. Would not want to be caught up in that. One more story. I don't know if I can mentally take it, but go for it. You're gonna, you're gonna have to. This is a long one. Uh, it's shorter than the others. So this story comes from Kev. It starts about three years ago. My partner Becca and I, who is a steadfast sceptic, were watching TV in the living room. The TV is situated near patio doors, which opens out onto our third floor balcony. We have long drop slatted blinds which were pulled across the doors, but angled so that we could see out. It was night time and we were both settling down with a film. To our left, we both caught something in the corner of our eye and turned our heads at the same time. To catch the lid of the swing bin swinging away as if something had been put in it. What the hell, I said. But Becca shushed me and said that the lid had probably been caught on something and I just dropped through gravity. I let that go and we continued to watch the film. Half an hour later, the long drop lines all moved in sequence, Mm -hmm. like someone had ran their finger along the middle of them. I jumped up. Becca was slower to come to an answer but then said there must have been a gap in the door where a breeze had come through. I pointed out that it was a summer's night and it was warm, there was no breeze. We discussed it for a bit, with me getting more convinced and her more sceptical. I arrived home from work a few months later and Becca said she could smell a strong chemical turpentine smell from upstairs and wondered if there was a gas leak in the building or something. I pointed out that it's an 100% an electrical apartment block that there's no gas coming into the building. She thought for a while and again rationalised it as perhaps residue from cleaning products she'd recently used to clean the kitchen. This part is relevant later. There was no activity for a few months. Then one afternoon while home alone I heard what sounded like scratching coming from a kitchen work surface. I muted the TV and crept out slowly. It was hard to place exactly where it was coming from. But if anything I would say it was on top of the surface. Which couldn't possibly be because there was nothing visible to my eyes. The noise got softer as I approached and quit completely as I stopped, facing the unit. I stood there silently, listening, and then BOOM! The floor shook. 
I felt something drop directly behind me with such force that I was convinced somebody had fallen through the ceiling. I jumped out of my skin and turned around so fast. Nothing was there. I text Becca to explain what happened and again she replied pointing out that there was a boiler in the cupboard behind the spot I heard the noise and it was more than likely that something had fallen in there. I explained that the heaviest item in there was a sleeping bag. I've done a podcast for the last year or so called We Need to Talk About Ghosts. <gasps> it's him. It's him. What? He's quite popular among our listeners. Ah. But he just does like what we do but on his own. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I'd often record in the small downstairs bedroom while Becca's out. On at least three occasions, I've heard her come through the front door and run upstairs. So convincing was this that I've stopped what I'm doing and went upstairs to tell her off for being noisy, only to find an empty room. And on ringing her, discover she's still shopping. On the most recent occasion, she told me it was probably all in my head and will have built myself up to a scared state by talking about ghosts for 30 minutes. However, that night she woke me up around 3am saying, I think somebody's in the small bedroom. I could also hear shuffling and what sounded like things moving. I crept to the door, picking up a small but heavy ornamental wooden axe we have on a stand, and after a few breaths swung the door open, and nothing. Neither were slept that night. It took a few days, but eventually she rationalised it again by saying it must have been the neighbours. The next thing that happened is the most convincing thing I've ever seen. We were chatting in the kitchen, me with my back to the sink, when I see Becca's eyes widen. Looking over my shoulder, I turn around and see the arm of the tap. It's a lever type, up for off and down for on, slowly moving down into the on position all by itself and water starting to gush out. I moved it back to the off position and we both just looked at each other. Explain that, I said. Fair enough, that's weird, she finally admitted. She has since said it must have been the water pressure. Honestly, I'm not sure what she needs what she needs to be convinced. <laughs> anyway, at the start of this year, I started driving lessons and talk about the ghost of the flat with my instructor. She's a big history buff and says I should look into what the apartment block is built on. I say I wouldn't know where to start, so she says she'll do a little digging. The next session, she says, I'm not surprised your flat is haunted. She goes on to say that the street where I live suffered some of the heaviest bombing during the Blitz. Entire buildings demolished. This is wild enough. But she then proceeds to take out two ordnance survey maps, old maps of the area. The first is from 1812 and shows a church called St. Nicholas's approximately 20 feet from our apartment building, with its graveyard spread out basically where our building is. The next map is from 1907. The church is still there, but there is a building now on the exact spot. Same shape, area, everything, where our apartment building currently is. It was a paraffin oil manufacturer. My heart jumped remembering Becca's smelling turpentine smell. Mm. Mm. In recent weeks, we've just had a strange red light go swirling across the wall, which we both witnessed. And just last week, Becca texted me whilst I was at work to say, why did you put the recycling bin in the middle of the living room? Which I obviously didn't. And that takes us up to date. I think that although I find her scepticism frustrating, we'd probably be sleeping on the balcony if she was as convinced as me. Great, right? Yeah, and I'm sure this is all like paranormal, but imagine if it was Becca on the biggest trolling session in the world. Oh, just absolutely <laughs> wrecking Kev's head. Yeah. So it's we need to talk about ghosts, by the way, listeners, lovely listeners, that's that podcast. Please go and listen to it. Nice little plug in there for you. A great story. Yeah. I love poltergeist stuff. Because it's one of those things that hangs on the very balance, doesn't it? It's mm. like, oh, this could be completely rational or it's paranormal. Like it's, it's, it's just something that's so ambiguous and I love it. And we've both seen the red light in our house. Oh, that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'd forgotten about the yeah. red lights and the orange ones. Yeah. What do they mean, I wonder? I'm pretty sure I googled it. I think they're just checking booms out. But we used to, we went through a phase in the house of seeing um, really strange red and orange lights. And even I saw them. Yeah. Which is unusual. And I was like, oh. I did debunk one of them though. As what? It was the fire alarm, wasn't it? The smoke alarm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't the same one. It was just like, it started me when I went out to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, oh it's those lights again. And I was like, oh no. 
That's actually just a sparkle. Oh yes, I wonder what those lights are. I feel like I googled it and they said something about like angels or... Yeah, and I also felt less scared than I thought I would. I was just like, that's really not supposed to happen. But a bit odd. Yeah. I, I would just, I just all the way through Kev's story, I was just like, imagine if it's just Becca on a massive trolling session. <laughs> that would be gas. She would be like my new best friend if she did And it's that. so something I could imagine you doing as well. Would you like some new reviews? I would. I feel less on edge now we've heard Kev's story. Well, it's good poltergeist story. Yeah, it? and it is scary, but I just, I can't get that. I just, I just. You just, it's Rebecca. Mm. Rebecca's fucking you up, Kev. Oh, yeah. That's what's happening. <laughs> Our first review comes from Flick Harris, who Ooh. says that it is absolutely brilliant. Stumbled across this eminently listenable, listenable, list, oh, I can't say that word, eminently listenable podcast, and I'm hooked. The dynamic between Dan and Emma is fab. I feel as if I'm earwigging on a private conversation. It's so relaxed and engaging. Emma makes me giggle and transports me back to Cork with her Irish translations. A press is a cupboard in English yes it is love 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 the ghostly stories and the logical approach and rationale afforded to each one I'm hooked I've binge listened to all episodes today yeah, you guys life. are wonderful I love the podcast format and you're really streets ahead of many other similar podcasts keep up the good work I love the fact that you said listenable correctly three times and then said you can't say it oh did I say <laughs> yeah, it right you were like, literally listenable 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 I can't say listenable and then oh on, I didn't it think like... it was right the next one comes from Jonesy 8888 yeah. uh, great new podcast very good real stories nice hosts no goofy loud music just people talking a-okay that's a fucking review isn't it yeah, that's a great review because we don't have goofy loud music we have fantastic music yes we do from the lovely Greg Ireland Greg and the last one comes from Addicted which is from Sarah or Sarah in sunny Queensland both humorous and clever this podcast has rather quickly become my new best friend the house is a mess the family remains unfed <laughs> as I listen to the entire glorious back catalogue of episodes both spine tingling and hysterical you guys have captured the Aussie's black heart and tickled my funny bone I shall sneakily subscribe to you on my friends phones anytime they are left unattended didn't thanks tingle. please do that didn't tingle the bones though. stop being such a so lechy this isn't 50p movie club now yeah okay left over from the sleezing finale the sleezing finale so we're an hour in oh so we're gonna have to call it a night there yes but before we do that mm-hmm. there are a couple of things some admin some housekeeping if you will okay if you have enjoyed our little podcast please make sure that you go and leave us a review on itunes for no reason other than it's good for other people to see if you've enjoyed us, tell all your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell everybody you've ever met about our podcast. Tell all your friends about me. Or else Dan will continue to sing yeah, and then nobody nobody needs that. I listen to this podcast, just a little tiny side. I listen to this podcast and uh, every week the host sings and it really winds me up. Yeah, I continue to do it. and I, So I'm apologising now and I will not do it again. Why do you continue to, to listen then? Oh, because it's a really interesting football like football podcast. But uh, the, the ho- one of the things the host does that's annoying is sing. Oh, that's mad. Yeah. Um, if you want to come and converse with us, there are many, many ways that you can do that. I am on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club. And we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook Facebook page called Real Facebook Life Ghost Party. Stories Podcast. And then we have a super group, super secret group called RLGS Supergroup, where we give away merchandise and loads of different fun stuff happens in there. Yes, we do. Well done. To, I think it was Megan who won our first merchandise giveaway this week. Well done, Megan. It's winging its little way to you. And uh, what's the other thing? Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. I've missed something. If you want to send us your stories, you can send them to Podcast at gmail.com. And, oh yeah, Patreon. Ah, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help us out with a little bit of cash money on a monthly basis, then you can do so on patreon.com forward slash ghost stories, where for $2 a month, you can access the back catalogue of 50p Movie Club. <laughs> we recorded the last episode of season one last night. And... If you want to donate $5 a month, you get the back catalogue of 50p Movie Club and an extra weekly episode of Paranormal or True Crime Tales Weekly. Weekly. And that's it. That all. 
and we love you so much for listening mm-hmm. and we shall see you next week goodbye Rory and Kid here from the award winning podcast This Paranormal Life every week we investigate a paranormal story and decide if it's real or a hoax like the time a guy claimed he punched Bigfoot or when a UFO showed up at a football game in front of thousands of people Each episode has sound effects, music, and storytelling that feels so real, you'll never sleep again. You will. Stop it. You're going to scare away new listeners. Check out This Paranormal Life every Tuesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.